is Genesis 37, verses 5 and verse 9, Brother Adam. Genesis 37, 5 and 9. And we're talking about Joseph today. Verse 5 says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Hated him yet the more. Verse number 9, Genesis 37 and 9 says, And he dreamed yet another dream, and he told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. Amen. The title of our lesson today is Believing, Believing Without Understanding. Believing Without Understanding. How many people like to know the end of the story? You ever read a, a novel and... At least I do. I'm always trying to figure out how this thing's going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to understand. I want to know how this story is going to end up because I'm trying to get that understanding. Um, but with the Lord, we have to believe. And I was going to say sometimes, but a lot of the times we have to believe without understanding. And I'm not sitting up here today saying that's easy or saying that I do that all the time, or saying I've got it figured out. I don't. But still, we must believe, even when we don't understand. Our lesson uh, idea says, I will believe what God says to me is true, even when others do not believe. I will believe what God says is true, even when others don't believe it. And typically we think about that is, I believe it's true and my brothers and sisters in Christ believe it is true. Or maybe the world doesn't believe it's true, but there's sometimes I believe it's true and my brothers and sisters don't believe it's true either. And I have to believe it's true what God told me, no matter who or what says it's not true. If God says it, it will happen. I just have to believe that. Amen. Truth about God is God has plans for us that sometimes we do not understand. Sometimes God has plans that we do not understand. When we're talking about Joseph, we're typically talking about dreams. Dreams. You know there's a difference between a plan and a dream? So many times, I looked it up, I've, I've done some screenshotting of the dictionary this morning. Um, so, so many times there's, that we, we think about things as a dream when it's merely a plan. And there's other times we have this dream that we hold dear and true to us, and we've seen it and we know it and we believe it and we put it in our spirit, and it, it is our dream and just nothing, nothing or no one is going to get me off of that. I may change my plan, but when I've dreamed a dream, and the Lord spoke that to me, I don't want to ever change it. God doesn't change our, what he tells us. When he says it, he means it. It will happen. Amen. A, a, dream, is, a dream is a visionary creation of the imagination. 
a state of mind marked by abstraction or release from reality. That's a, that's a dream. And a plan is an orderly arrangement of parts of an overall design or objective. A detailed program. Both of them are good, and we need plans. We make plans for things that we're going to do. We make plans for our week, right? And, and we kind of got it organized, or at least I like to. Typically, it don't go how I have it planned, but I try to start off the week with some sketch of a plan that I, I want to see done and I want to see accomplished the week at work or whatever that might be. But then in the background somewhere, there, there, there's this dream. There's this dream I have that I hold on to. And I, I may not come back to it as much as I come to my plan, but there's always something in the background, this longing. That's my dream. Amen. So we think about this lesson, this holy ride that we should think of the Genesis patriarchs as heroes of the faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all mentioned in what we refer to as the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. However, being a hero does not mean someone is no longer a human. These heroes were faithful but not perfect. The longer and the closer we look at the stories of Abraham and his earliest descendants, the more it becomes obvious these families were plagued by favoritism and jealousy. They had a bunch of problems. They created a bunch of their own problems. Anybody ever created your own problem outside of me? Oh, man. Typically, the problems I have are problems I have created. Not always, but typically. God, why do I find myself in so much debt? Well, why'd you buy a new car? God didn't do that. I did that. Oh, Lord, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, well, you chose some things. We made these choices. Amen. We are humans, just like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, even though heroes, even though mentors, even though heroes of the faith, people that held true to the end, they still had problems. They still had problems. In the opening verses of Genesis 37, we are given a series of rapid-fire facts about Joseph. Most importantly, at 17 years old, it appears he was significantly younger than his brothers. And second, Joseph had brought a bad report about his brothers. We are never given the content of this report, so the point seems to be that Joseph was a tattletale. The significant age gap between Joseph and his older brothers was rooted in the excruciating story of the childbearing rivalry between Rachel and Leah as they vied for Jacob's favor. If you remember, Jacob went and he was working for Laban and he was given a wife and he thought it was Rachel, but it come out to be Leah. And then he worked so many more years and he was finally given the one that he wanted to be a spouse to, Rachel. But the problem with Rachel was her wound was stopped. She couldn't have children. But Leah over here was just having children after children after child after child after child. And they had this rivalry going on inside the family. Who was the greatest? And they were, they were both seeking the attention of Jacob. And it's, the story starts with this confusion and frustration between 
the two mamas. I can only imagine. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> we ain't going to go there today. Uh, but it, it creates some confusion. It created some drama. And all of that bled down to the children. And then that bled down to the grandchildren. It just stayed in that family. Jacob's favor for the eldest son of his favored wife, Rachel, was symbolized by the infamous coat of many colors, an expensive dyed garment that probably had long sleeves and extended to the ankles. It was, to be frank, the garment of a nobleman, not a shepherd. Think about that a moment. In some ways, I feel sorry for Jacob. Here he is, a 17-year-old young man with some much older brothers, probably more my age. So there's a pretty good gap there. But it'd be more like my son in my age than, than that's kind of the, the reality of it. Pretty good gap there. But we're all working for daddy. And he gets this special made super duper coat. Let's put it in, let's put it in our terminology today. Uh, my dad and, uh, and, and, and Preston, me, are working for, me and Preston are working for my dad. We're, we're father and son, not, our, father, our brothers, not father and son. And Brother Wells buys Preston a Ferrari, and he buys me a Pinto. That's about the equivalent. I'm going to be a little bit frustrated. I'll just be honest with you. Now, what in the world is going on here? What did I deserve? How do I deserve the Pinto? And he's got the Ferrari. It was right there in their face. This coat, this elaborate coat for some noble deity, and we're just over here mere shepherds. Wow. So the rivalry continues. The, the angst continues. The animosity is still there. Joseph's problems to this point were not of his own doing, but rather the result of his father's own poor parental choices. As a young man, Joseph's motives were at least innocent, even if his actions were not altogether wise. There is no condemnation of Joseph's decision to share his dreams with his family. It is to be credited, it seems, to the exuberance of youth. He shared his dream, and which didn't go the way that he probably had it planned, but it wasn't the intent to ridicule his brothers. He was just excited about the dream. But because of Jacob's parental guidance for Joseph and the way he raised him and the choices he made, uh, Joseph was set up in a bad way to start out with. You ever heard the term, I'm a product of my raising? You know, sidebar, not in the lesson, Justin 101. It is a great responsibility to be a parent. We are, we are shaping life going forward for this infant child. Just like little case in there, I was just thinking, very innocent little child. But if we don't do that in the right way, we set up things for him 
going forward that is very, very difficult to undo. Tendencies and habits and ways to get your way and all these things are developing right now in this baby's mind. And as a parent, it is our obligation to make sure we're doing it the best way we know how. The way the Bible tells us to do it. Through love, through patience, through discipline, all the above. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy load to be a parent. And I listen to Pastor Moe's talk as his children are, are grown. Parentings don't stop then. You're still the parent. And it's still, whether you realize it or not, you're still shaping. And you're still influencing. And you're still molding. Even when your children may say, I don't want your opinion. I'm grown. They're still listening. And you're, I see some giggles back there. I don't, I don't mean to be meddling this morning. <laughs> but, but we all done it. We all do it. Just leave me alone. I got this. Until I don't. And then I say, Dad, Mom, help. I need help, right? I'm 41 years old, and I tell you, I asked for help today. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Amen. There are several important features to notice. First, the dreams, though different in symbolism, were clearly united by the theme of bowing down. In the first dream, the brothers' sheaves made obeisance to Joseph. They bowed down to Joseph. In the second dream, the stars, sun, and moon, which were Joseph's father and mother, joined in the act of submission and reverence. All these people in the dreams were bowing down to Joseph. Second thing to note is, given that Joseph's later success hinged on successfully interpreting dreams, it is worthy noting that Joseph did not seem to grasp the full impact of his dreams while his brothers clearly understand, understood the implications. I've never seen that before. If you go on throughout the story and we find Joseph in Pharaoh's house and to get out of prison in the future, he has to interpret the dream using the Lord. The Lord interprets the dream. He just says it back. But he was known as an interpreter of dreams somewhere in the future. But here, he didn't even interpret his own dream. He didn't even recognize that it was contrary. It's interesting. It's interesting. The, the text does not condemn Joseph's blindness, but the family's reaction to his words. Joseph was blind to what the dream means. But the family had a, had a unique reaction to it. And finally, something important to, to note is that the dream was doubled. In fact, this is the only clue given that these dreams were not simply the expression of Joseph's overexcited imagination. In an artful use of suspense, we do not learn until Genesis 41, when Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's paradreams, that such a double dream is indicative of divine action. I never thought about this. Genesis 41, 32 says, And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to 
pass. Because Pharaoh and Joseph dreamed two different dreams two times, it was saying God did that on purpose. It is from God. And because you did it that way and because you dreamed them things multiple times, it will come to pass shortly. I've never seen that before. That's, that's interesting. It is important to pause here and recognize that the brother's murderous jealousy that would rather see their littlest brother die than exceed them in honor is the culmination of generations of sibling rivalry and unfair parental favoritism. Now think about that a moment. My sister... I'm going to do the southern thing. God help her. Y'all know if you say that, you can say anything behind that, right? Bless her heart, yeah. My sister, bless her heart. You can say, now, now I'm free to say whatever I want to say, right? There has been many a times that she has made me a little bit angry. <laughs> but can you imagine having the anger to the point you were ready to kill your sibling because of a dream? Now think about that. Because he dreamed the dream, his brothers were ready to kill him. Wow. 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 Because the dream was contrary to them, and they were going to bow down to him, it was just done for them. It didn't take a lot of nudging to get him there. Wow. Wow. We can be thankful the story of Joseph does not look away from the ugliness of the rival between Joseph and his brothers. There is no glossing over the father's toxic favoritism or the brother's outright hatred. The God-given dreams you have of what could be are a crucial part of God's gracious action in your life. The dreams are certain because they are his dreams for you, his work that he will accomplish in his own time and way. Do not be ashamed or discouraged by the dysfunction of your past Instead, follow your dreams and watch God bring his bright future to pass. We've all had a dysfunctional past. And some of you today can say, oh, but Brother Justin, you just don't know what I have done. And I'll say back, I am not caring what you've done in, in this context. It don't matter. If God give you a dream, even if someone is so angry at your dream that they want to do you physical harm, keep holding on to your dream. Keep holding on to that dream. The enemy would love to tell you you are not worthy to see the dream come to pass because of You've done this, and you've done that, and this has happened in your life, or that circumstance is here. Keep holding 
on to your dream. I feel that in my spirit this morning today. Keep holding on. Even when the road gets tough and even when people say all kind of vile things and, and even when no one understands, even when you don't understand, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I believe the dream. I know you give it to me. Amen. As powerful as Joseph's God-given dreams were, they were not designed to prevent trouble and heartache from entering Joseph's life. Rather, they were designed to give him hope to endure the trouble. Dreams give us endurance to withstand the hurts of life. I want to read that again. Anybody ever been hurt before? Anybody ever been wounded in their spirit? Dreams give us endurance to withstand the hurts of life. Don't lose your dream. Don't lose your dream. The first overt expression of the brothers' hatred turned to jealousy was to make a mockery of Joseph's dream. And they said one to another, Behold, the dreamer cometh. The intent was to hurt. Yeah, I hear you. I know you got a dream, and I know you think this is going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. Find a way to jab and to hurt and to wound so the dream would go away. But Joseph held on to the dream. In their rejection of Joseph's dreams, the brothers were rejecting Joseph himself. Wow. Not only did we get to the place that I don't believe what you're dreaming, I'm just rejecting you as a human being. You don't even deserve to live because you have a dream. The mockery in their words makes it clear that they no longer consider Joseph their brother. And notice the almost clinical detachment with which they, with they, they hatched a scheme for Joseph's demise. Genesis 37, 20 says, Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beasts have devoured him, and we shall see that what will become of all his dreams. We're going to see. The first option that came to mind was murder accompanied by a devious plot to cover up the crime. You ever felt like because you had a dream, because you were holding on to something, that, that, that something in life was coming against you to the place that it may even kill you, but you must hold on to the dream. Believing without understanding. Can you imagine the place that Joseph found himself when his whole family turned against him? He didn't have anybody. They just wanted to kill him and shut him up and get him, get him away from there. He had no one. And then he was sold into slavery and went away and literally no one to, to, to share his emotions, to 
talk to, to talk about, to, to try to reconcile the hurt. But he never lost the dream. The plan changed. He didn't have it figured this away. But he didn't lose the dream. It is impossible to read this account without feeling a shock that, that approaches horror. The sheer evil of his brother's betrayal of Joseph is incomprehensible. However, we must remember, little did the brothers suspect that the very plans that, were, that they were then scheming were to, were to lead to the fulfillment of Joseph's dreams. When they were going through all this conniving and scheming of what they were going to do to him, they had no way of knowing, but because of that, they were making it where the dream could be fulfilled. If, it hadn't, if he hadn't went through that, he wouldn't have got his dream. Wow. Little did they suspect that their plans for destroying him was actually making the dream be fulfilled. You ever felt that way? I don't know how the dream's ever going to be fulfilled, Lord, because look where I'm at. Look what I'm facing. Look at the road that I'm having to travel. None of this makes any sense, God. You give me the dream. You give me the promise. I, I know it's going to happen, but none of this makes any sense. I'm over here, and God, you said I was going to wind up over there, and there's no road from here to there. There's no, there, there's no way I can get there. And then I'm ridiculed and maybe even hated and my feelings are hurt and I've been talked to bad and I have no one. And all that is happening and working to build the road to get me to where my dream's at. Hallelujah today. That don't make it easy. It makes it very difficult. Sometimes the will of God is not easy. Oh, but I don't want to lose my dream. If I lose my dream in the midst of all of that turmoil and in the midst of all of that I had to go through, I never get to see the fruition of what it was supposed to be. I went through all the heartache for nothing. If I lost my dream along the way, hold on to your dreams. The tenacity of Joseph's faith, faith in the face of such intimate betrayal is an inspiring lesson for us today. Joseph did not let the severity of his trial poison him. You ever, you ever found someone that went through some hard times and it made them a bitter person. And every time you have a communication with that person, they're just bitter. That trial that they went through poisoned their well, if you will. God, help me. I don't want to be bitter. Even when it hurts, God, I want to know that you're doing it for my good. You're working it out. I don't have to understand it. Oh, but God, let me follow you. Joseph still held on to the dream he had 
been given, even when everyone around him rejected it. Likewise, should we hold on to our God-given dreams, letting his word define us and not hurt and, be, and, <clears throat> and betrayal we have experienced. In his first letter, the apostle Peter reminded the scattered and persecuted church of God's dreams for them. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is what God wants for you and I. He wants you to be a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Someone that no matter what, we're going to show forth praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Even when we don't understand, keep dreaming. Believing without the understanding. Putting our faith in action. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. If I see it, it doesn't take faith. But when I don't see it, and I don't understand it, but I know it's going to happen, that's my faith in action. I was thinking this morning, what is my dream for my family? What is the dream for my church? Do I have a dream for my community? What about my life? What's my dream? Am I just existing in life and I'm just going through the motions and I'm, I'm just living and I'm just waking up every morning and going to sleep every night and in survival mode? Or do I have a dream? What's my dream? What about my community? My neighbors? Lost loved ones, family members. What's my dream? Hallelujah today. Not only do I want to hear from the Lord and know where he wants me to go and hold on to that. I mean, then I want to I hold it dear and I don't want to lose it. I want to believe what the Lord says even when I do not understand. Praise the Lord. Can we stand this morning?